Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, your truths um, and your stories and all these good things. We pray, Father, that as we uh, study these uh, these books of the Bible, Father, that we would um, know how great you are, how sovereign and gracious and beautiful and holy and just you are, and that we would just be in awe of you because you are so good and you uh, love us, you pursue us, um, even when we are rebellious. So we thank you so much. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Okay. I wish I had um, last week's last week's form, so we can. Anyway, I'll do. Let's do a quick recap of um, Michael's uh, lesson last week, right? So he went through the, uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books, right? So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Sure. Last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he went through the Pentateuch, and so Genesis. Uh, a lot, uh, so what Michael went through a, a lot was uh, was about covenant, right? The idea of covenant is really important, right? So in Genesis, you know, you have creation with Adam, and um, and when when uh, God created Adam, he was he was calling um, Adam and Eve to be uh, vice regents, to to be like co-rulers of kind of um, his kingdom, right? So there's Eden, and so the idea was to extend rule out past Eden out to the the rest of the world, right? To be so that um, God's rule covers the entire world, right? But he fails quickly, and so uh, the world is thrown into sin, but God is still gracious. He, uh, he's still um, in pursuit of his people, right? And so he forms a people. He, he creates this uh, Abrahamic covenant with uh, Abraham, right? Um, and so over here we have, um, you know, Michael talked about the covenant of, covenant of works, right? And the covenant works really briefly, really quickly. It's basically just um, if you obey, you'll, there'll be blessing. If you disobey, there'll be curse, right? And it's, it's like, a, it's either or, it's, it's conditional, right? And then Abrahamic covenant, um, and even out to the Mosaic covenant, we talked about the covenant of grace, right? Covenant of grace. Right? And so this extends through, that's through all, right? So, um, the language of Mosaic Covenant is similar to the Covenant of Works, right? Um, obey, um, um, you'll you'll uh, you'll live, uh, disobey, you'll be cursed, and you'll die, right? And it kind of um, uh, there's this this o- uh, overarching Covenant of Grace, like even though uh, the language is there, um, this always of, of grace, right? God is always um, is this one 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 way. Um, covenant that God is going to love his people, that he's going to um, uh, keep for himself a people, that he's going to uh, rescue them, and he's going to uh, love them, and and and, um, and uh, keep them safe, right? So that was uh, um, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, we talked about the clean laws. Uh, basically, the unclean are cut off from God, from community. It's kind of a picture of how God is um, um, just really holy. Like there cannot be any sort of uh, blemishes in us um, when we come uh, to God, right? Um, Numbers is about the wilderness wanderings. Um, so there's the Exodus, right? Exodus, uh, God gets people out of, redeems the people out of Egypt. And so the people are, yay, right? So there's Pharaoh. People are happy here when Exodus happens. <laughs> and then over here in Numbers, right? This is the wilderness. Wild. Exodus, they're like, oh cool, God is awesome, he's, he's delivering us. Uh, not not long after, oh, they're 
sad, right? Because they're grumbling, they're complaining, um, and they, they constantly forget that God is, is gracious, that He's He saved them, right? And He's giving them manna to eat when they're hungry, and they're still like, oh, what is this, right? And so, um, this is very much kind of how we are, right? We're in the wilderness, we're kind of, kind of, but we still grumble and complain, and oftentimes we forget God, right? As Deuteronomy, Moses' final sermon, it's a reiteration of the Mosaic Covenant, um, and the land is conditional on obedience, right? Okay, so, so now, we're at the edge, so, so, Exodus, out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, and, um, they're at the edge of the promised land, right? Um, and this is where the story, uh, to, uh, we pick up on the story of Joshua, right? So, they're at the edge of Canaan, promised land, they're about to enter, um, Last week, uh, once once we ended, and now Joshua talks about how they enter the land. Uh, the judges, and so we're in the land for the rest of uh, the this, uh, the historical books. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, so so Joshua to Second Samuel, the books of First and Second Samuel, um, it records the entrance into the Promised Land, and all the way up to. The establishment of the monarchy. The, the people are unified under um, one rule. Um, and so the Abrahamic covenant forms the foundation of much of the historical books, right? So so uh, covenant is very important in understanding this. So now that we have these covenants, like, in, keep that in mind, and everything will kind of fall into place as you kind of read these narratives and uh, these stories, right? Um, and so do you guys have any questions so far? Pretty straightforward, right? <coughs> All right. So let's talk about Joshua. Uh, the Joshua is a story of the conquest of Canaan, right? And there's this huge theme of land, right? And land represents um, um, salvation, right? And so when we read Joshua, you'll see that um, God is sovereign. God is the one that gives them the land, right? So let's read this uh, passage of Joshua 6. Uh, David, can you read Joshua 6, 1, 5, and 21? Sure. Um, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Now went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho to your hands, but it's a king and mighty man of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once, and thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, the priests shall blow the trumpets. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down and flatter, and the people shall go up and everyone straight <coughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown, and as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so the people went up to the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Thank you. Yeah, so if you look in, in verse 2, it says, the Lord says to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, right? And so he, so God tells them to, okay, this is what you're supposed to do in order to capture the, um, capture Jericho, right? Um, and so, um, uh, let me draw this out really quick. And then, so here's, here's Jericho. Here's the, here's the, um, you start from, Okay, yeah, we'll just go like that. 
Jordan River. Okay, so this is the land is is this. It, it just stretches out right throughout all this right here, and so they're east of the land and they're entering west into the promised land, right? So this this is the promised land, and so there's the Jordan River, and so they're crossing. They cross the Jordan River. Um, so the first, um, I think the first five books of Joshua is talking about preparations and how to uh, cross into the land and um, preparing to take uh, Jericho, right? So Jericho is the first city um, um, in Canaan that they're going to take. And so God is saying, so do this stuff. I've given the land to you already, right? Um, and so so they're, they're, they do this, and what happens? They capture the city, right? They, they capture... Um, uh, the walls of Jericho fall, you know the story, and um, the Israelites, they go in and they, they conquer Jericho, right? And so, um, one of the commandments that, um, uh, one of the requirements was that um, God said that, okay, you're to destroy the city, essentially you're to purge the city, right? And so, I, um, uh, Michael talked about this uh, briefly last week about how is it is it right? Is it right to to uh, to kill everything? Right? Even it says the young, the old, um, um, the animals. Right? Um, and so, the idea behind that is that it's it's not so much descriptive, like saying, okay, this is kind of the pattern of how war should be done. But it's uh, it's kind of a um, what I put here. It says that it's this was a special case of divine judgment. And uh, not prescriptive for us to follow, right? Um, so the reason for the call to completely purge land was one to bring justice to the sinful Canaanites, and two for the sake of keeping people, the people of God, away from syncretism, which is kind of mixing religions and um, compromising devotion to God and keeping them pure, right? And 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15 kind of gives an idea of that you're not to be unequally yoked, right? And so the importance of staying devoted to, to uh, Yahweh is so important, right? And so this is this is a, an example of, of how important it is that we're not to mix, um, uh, mix uh, allegiances. Um, and so it's pretty hard to, to grasp, like, oh, I mean, like, why? That's, that's crazy. That's, that seems really rough, but... Uh, the idea is that this is, uh, the people are to stay pure and wholly devoted to God. Does that make sense? Do you guys have any questions on that? Okay. So keeping the promised land is an echo of Eden, right? En- entry into the land is all by grace, right? It's God gave them the land. And then uh, keeping the promised land is... Um, is uh, in a sense conditional, right? Um, and so Israel inhabits the land and is given the same mandate to obey God and keep the land and the people pure. Um, and where Adam and Eden, he was supposed to uh, remove the snake, Israel is supposed to remove uh, the Canaanites. Okay, so they're keeping the land pure and safe, right? Um, question about keeping the pure. Yeah. Um, so why is it that they have to be kept pure versus like Yeah, well, I, I would say that, um, I would say that just, this is, because we don't see this pattern, like, uh, all throughout, um, all throughout scripture, right? This is kind of a special case of, 
um, I would say is kind of an example of how important it is that we ourselves don't um, don't compromise in terms of our um, allegiance to to God, right? And so, so yeah, go ahead, Tim. Oh, what I was going to say is that um, it is it is more helpful to see the Bible is not linear. Like, when we assume that the Bible is in linear fashion, like in an outline form, that's an assumption that we're making and not what the Bible is saying, in fact, right? You know, the Bible uses a lot of parallelism, a lot of repetition. And so it's if you stop for a moment and see the Bible as something more cyclical, um, that in a way we're leaving out the Exodus story again. Um but the time that we are we're at right now right now is that we've not entered into the promised land. And Canaan is the promised land. And so what what you're asking about is actually not apples to apples. Um and so I, I actually think that a more a better worded way of putting why there's a genocide happening in Canaan is because the evil have no place in the promised land, just like how evil has no place in the kingdom of God. So the so the fact that we're mixing is is because we're still in we're st- we've still not entered into the promised land and so God hasn't made that holy yet. Again, um, in the New Testament, um, we see some similar themes about um, the purity of the church. So Paul says in Second Corinthians. Uh, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So there's this, um, there's this theme of purity also, the, the temple. Um, so if you imagine, uh, the promised land as sort of this uh, as a as a something set aside as a holy place and within that the place of where the tabernacle is being the most um, being being the center of this holy land um, then it makes sense that this kind of sanctuary doesn't <coughs> um, doesn't make compromises with the sins of the Canaanites. Um, I think I read last year or something um, that uh, Joshua also uses um, some flood imagery. It's as if the Israelites are going into the land and um, flooding it as God flooded the earth in the days of Noah. Um, So that's why you also see in Jericho, I think, or when the spies return, they say that the people were there were really big and the giants and they were like the Nephilim and they felt like grasshoppers, mm-hmm. which uh, harkens back to uh, Genesis as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, let's move on. 
Um, so, so here the story of Joshua. There's also um, there's also okay. You're to follow my commandments. So you're not to you're to you're not to take anything from um, you're not to pillage. Basically, you're to destroy everything, right? Um, but we see a case where um, Achan kind of uh, steals some of the booty, the loot, right? And he he hides it, and because of that. Um, there's there's corporate punishment, right? There's there's 36 men die um, in the um, in one of the uh, battles, and um, it's how the, the idea is that okay, like this is serious, right? Uh, like you have to follow God to the T. This is what we're called to do, right? And and there will be consequences if you don't. And so um, and so Aiken, his family is is essentially destroyed. They're 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 stoned they're stoned to death, right? And there's the example of Rahab. Rahab is a spy. She's a prostitute, and she's a uh, she's a gentile. She's from Jericho. She's um, she helps she helps the Israelites uh, enter um, enter the the city because she says she knows that Yahweh has given the land over to Israel, right? And so so she trusts that God is on her side, and she wants to be part of that. And so as they take over Jericho, they take her into the family, right? And so there's two examples of how how it's it's not just the uh, um, ethnic Israel that receives these blessings, right? It's people who put their trust and faith in Yahweh. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. So let's move on to Judges. Uh, the story of... Um, Judges is the story of the cycle of Israel's covenant faithfulness, right? So so we know that Israelites come into Canaan. They conquer Jericho and all these uh, various, um, um, various little... Uh, uh, Cities and, and and nations and um, and now they're they're here right now they're they're kind of in the land of Canaan and we see um, a canon again of their covenant of faithfulness and um, how um, judges are are raised to help lead and kind of deliver Israel right and so let's read Judges three seven to twelve it kind of gives the pattern of this entire book right uh, Andrew can you read and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. <coughs> the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died, and the uh, people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Yeah, thanks. This happens again and again. People say so. The Book of Judges is just uh, a bunch of um, deliverers, basically, that are um, are representing uh, Israel, and 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 so so they're ch- they're to call, essentially, call people back to rep- uh, um, to to uh, to God, right, and to um, to covenant faithfulness, right. But the people sin. Um, the Lord gets angry. He punishes. So there's consequences of their sin, and then so. 
So people will cry out, say, "God, help, help us! Send us a deliverer!" And so God delivers. They send, um, He sends up, sends them the first line. He sends them um, Othniel, right? And then there's rest for forty years. So the deliverer uh, saves the people and then basically um, um, is, keeps them to, uh, faithful to Yahweh. And there's rest, and then Othniel dies, and what happens? People sin again, right? And so this goes again and again. So reading Judges is like, oh, it's crazy, right? It's uh, it's so frustrating, um, and so it, within the book of Judges, you know the um, the story of Samson, um, of Deborah, and so uh, that's all lumped into here. Okay, um, Gideon is probably the most faithful judge, yet even he fails, right? And so this book, the book of Judges, is basically calling for a greater leader, um, and the people cry like the crying out that oh, we need we need a king, right? So. So God is supposed to be uh, ruling over the people. It's a theocracy, right? God rules all people. So they don't have a king yet. They just have judges. They have these deliverers. And the deliverers aren't, these judges aren't doing their jobs. Right? There's, it's, not, uh, it's not working. And so the people are, give us a king. We need a, we need a, a human king, just like the rest of the pagan nations, right? Um, and so that brings us to, um, to Samuel. But for, before Samuel, uh, inserted into the story is Ruth, right? So Joshua judges... Ruth. Ruth is placed into, in between um, Judges and um, Samuel, where the monarchy monarchy begins. Um, you know, uh, Ruth. We think of Ruth as kind of this a sweet love story, but it's a story of um, yes, there's suffering, there there's faith, um, there's love, but ultimately it's about redemption, and not just for Ruth and Naomi, but for the people of God, right? And so the line of King um, King David and ultimately the greater son of da- uh, David, which is Christ, comes through Ruth and Boaz. Um, and that's this is the um, the passage that that I put down, Ruth four thirteen. Uh, Jeff. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception. She bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, "Blessed be the Lord." who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him, him the name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Yeah, thanks. So, so this is this is key, right? Um, they're calling for uh, a king, a human king, and and so uh, the story of Ruth and Boaz is ultimately to bring this about. Is to bring about the line of David, right? So, um, so they named him Obed. Obed was um, he was the father of Jesse, so he's he's uh, King David's grandpa, right? Um, and Jesse's the, the father of David, right? And so this ushers us into the monarchy, right? And But Ruth is awesome because it's also a story of the gospel of how there's this kinsman redeemer, meaning um, the kinsman... Um, so so there's Naomi, right? Let me see. So Naomi is... She's an Israelite, and her family dies, right? So if you're... Basically, if you're uh, if you're a... A widow, you don't have any sons. Um, you're, you're just you're destined to, <laughs> to poverty. To lose, you basically lose everything, right? So Naomi, her um, her family dies, and she only has her two 
um, daughter-in-laws, and both of them are Moabites, so they're Gentiles. They're they're not part of Israel, and so, um, uh, and so, but so there's there's Naomi, and then there's uh, Ruth and Orpah, right? Orpah. Okay, so these are her her daughter-in-laws, um, and Ruth decides to stay with Naomi to to be with her, and she says um, she says that. Um, you know, your your God is my God, right? And so she's she's faithful to Naomi and ultimately faithful to Yahweh. She her trust and faith is in um, um, the God of Israel, right? And so um, it's 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 ultimately a story of how even Gentiles, even outsiders of um, are, even outsiders are welcomed into the people of God. Does that make sense? And so um, Ephesians. I think Ephesians two nineteen is that we were once aliens, right? Uh, we were once strangers, but um, but now we're not, right? So, so the story of the gospel, and ultimately it brings the line of David and to to Christ, right? And so Ruth is Ruth is pretty key to this story. You guys have any questions before we finish out with Samuel? Okay, so, so first and second Samuel is basically the story of um, Samuel. Uh, he's a prophet. Saul, he's a king, and David, he's a king, right? Um, and so the transition is from Judges uh, before the uh, Israelites were kind of broken up into little city states. They weren't really unified, um, but now under the monarchy, um, the people are united, and um, under David. Um, everybody's united that the kingdom of Israel is one um, and they're serving God and under God okay um, so the Israelites were dissatisfied dissatisfied with theocracy and judges and they demanded a human king to represent them and um, uh, just very really quickly the the story of of Samuel is that um, he's he's this prophet that is raised up and um, he um, he's to represent the people, right? And so he's he's um, representing the people. He's he's calling them back to come in faithfulness. And he, he has two sons, and they're they don't walk in the ways of the Lord, right? And so so the people see that, and they'll be like, "You're you're going to die soon. Your sons don't walk in your ways." And so give us a king. And so he says uh, he says, "Okay, right." God ultimately Yahweh says, "Okay." God says that, "Okay, give them what they want," right? Um, they don't. They're basically rejecting me as their leader, um, and so give him a human king. And so um, Samuel finds Saul. Um, king Saul starts humble. He he trusts he trusts the Lord. He he's uh, um, he obeys the Lord, um, but he eventually becomes uh, prideful. Uh, he uh, disobeys God again and again, and um, and yeah, he he. The God, then uh, God basically uh, uh, takes that away from him. The spirit leaves him because of uh, because of Saul's unfaithfulness, right? Um, and so uh, Saul again and again, he even when Samuel calls him out, he says uh, Saul says that he's you know he's he just makes excuses, right? So basically he's unrepentant, um, and so he fears people over God and he does what is right in his own eyes, um, and so the Lord rejects Saul, and so that uh, that brings in um, David, right? So here's Samuel. Samuel anoints Saul. Saul disobeys. 
and so Samuel um, Samuel anoints David, right? So this young boy David. Um, so David's this uh, this young shepherd, and and he's eventually raised up. He he fights for Saul, and he eventually is better than Saul in terms of his battles and um, just how he serves God. And Saul gets jealous. So Saul tries to pursue David to death. He's looking to kill him. Um, he's jealous, and um, ultimately that's the demise of Saul. Right? So God God leaves Saul, and um, his blessing is now on David. And so David reigns. He rules. He's, he's a great king. Um, and so... Uh, let's read Second Samuel seven. Uh, before we close out, uh, can you read Second Samuel seven? Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to. Yeah, just read the whole thing. Okay. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David: Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you and. You went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come <clears throat> from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of, the, of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will dis- discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I, I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Yeah, thanks. So, so we see in verse... Um, Verse twelve that he um, that God's going to raise him offspring that will establish his kingdom. Um, verse fourteen says, "I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." And it's talking he's talking about Solomon, yes, but he's ultimately talking about Christ, right? And so this is uh, told to us in Hebrews one five, and it applies to Christ. Um, this verse, um, and so it's it's a foreshadow of this, the true uh, king that's going to establish, um, going to have this. Uh, uh, Eternal kingdom, right? It'll be, it'll be uh, a forever, right? Um, and so it says, your throne shall be established forever. And so this is how it's going to happen: is through his son, his his um, <coughs> ultimate son. Um, and so within this this story of uh, of Samuel, um, we see that Saul, we see Saul and David. This they kind of contrast each other. Um, they're not completely apart from each other, um, but they they contrast each other in in a way that helps us to see. Um, see Christ, right? And so Israel's first king, Saul, he replicated the sin of Adam and Israel. He started by trusting God, but he eventually turns away uh, through his disobedience and rebellion against God. And so Saul can be seen as a type of the first Adam, the Adam that failed, right? And then David was 
um, he was he was a righteous man, right? Um, but even he is, was not perfect, and he fell into great sin. And so there's like ten chapters devoted to kind of his sin, um, his adultery, and his murder, and kind of the consequences of that, right? And so as great as David was, he was not perfect, but still he's uh, he's still faithful to God, and he has this fundamental trust. Um, and faith in God, and so um, he is a a type of the last Adam, which is Christ, right? Um, because of his faithfulness, um, and so we see we see that. Let's see. So, so let's look at this last one, Genesis twelve one and three. So Abraham and covenant is this. You see that there's um, land see that there's uh, a descendants or a lot of people descendants uh, people and you see um, uh, what do you see? you see all the earth will say blessing to to all earth so within the covenant, as the story progresses from Joshua to Second Samuel, they enter the land, right? So, um, so they enter Canaan, they enter the land. So the Abrahamic covenant is like slowly being fulfilled, right? They enter the land. Um, the people are whereas before there there's only a few people, maybe like seventy people. Now there's a lot of people, right? And so the people are coming in. There's a lot more people. So these two are good, and it's being partially fulfilled, right? And then now. Um, it says uh, in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and in and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right. And so remember, um, when we were talking about um, Eden, Adam was supposed to, uh, they were, Adam and Eve, they were co-rulers with, with God, and they were supposed to extend the blessing out of Eden to the rest of the world, but they failed. Um, and Israel, now we're in this picture of, okay, now you're to uh, extend the blessing of God from from uh, the promised land out to the world, right? So blessing to all earth. So um, that's kind of, oh, now we're kind of, is this going to happen? Because right? uh, under the rule of um, David, um, Israel is at the peak of its uh, flourishing and prosperity, um, and everything is going well for them, right? And so it, they're, they're kind of set up to, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is going to be a blessing to the rest of the world, right? Um, and so... That's kind of where we taper off and where we end. That's the story of Joshua. So think of land. Joshua is the land. You enter the land. Judges is, even though they enter the land, covenant unfaithfulness. People people just always forget Yahweh. They always sin, rebel against Yahweh, even though he graciously gives them the land. And so it calls for a better um, better representative in the monarchy. Okay, And that leads to David, but ultimately leads to Christ, right? Um, and so within this time period, people don't fully know, they don't fully see um, the gospel, right? So the gospel is progressively um, revealed to to us and to, to the people, right? Um, they, don't, they don't quite know what's going to happen yet, right? They're just thinking of a human king to represent for them in terms of not a divine king, right? And so I have thought to Oh, um, you guys have any other questions? I'm just thinking a lot about 
um, patterns that I haven't fully vetted. But I think I think one thing is is worth noting is that. Um, Can you speak up? I think one thing that is worth noting, um, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around a lot of different patterns that I'm noticing that kind of happen over and over again um, as a way that the Bible seems to conceive of things. Um, but I think one thing is worth noting is that um, I think we recognize very readily that Ruth was a Gentile yes. and that God brought her into kind of the line to Jesus. Yeah. But I think that is, I think it's equally... Um, that's just as valid as uh, we should remember that actually Abraham was actually brought out of, if you would, the body of Gentiles. Um, I think somehow, for for some reason, we kind of give Abraham a buy that you know he was just somehow special before God chose him, but that that's simply not the case. Yeah. Um, it, it was Abraham's faith that was his righteousness, yes. um, and there were you know many examples of his. Um, failures and unfaithfulness and that that's the father of our faith and and i'm saying that because um i think that's actually i I can't quite draw the connection like explicitly yet but i i kind of see something similar happening uh where jesus is brought to this earth right you know through through the holy spirit you know uh giving a barren woman uh a child and so it's it's actually we, we have to remember that all all these patterns, um, Jesus is fulfilling all of these patterns at once, and so at the same time as he's fulfilling this pattern of a barren woman being the, being the onset of some new era, right? You know, Sarah was barren, and from you know, and that that was important, and and Hannah was barren, and um, and if you would, Mary is barren. That, that that's happening as well. I think there's something happening with, you know, being brought out, from, like chosen from this body of unbelievers um, to be kind of this next in line. So Abraham was brought out, you know, Ruth was brought out, and I, Jesus was brought out in some way. Um, that that connection is not quite clear to me, but you know, that, that was a thought that I was thinking about when you asked me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. If, if there's one thing, yeah, that's good. If there if there's one thing uh, um, to remember in these books is that um, is that is that we, as much as you try, as much as you try to uh, obey God, um, you know, like uh, Michael talked about how the law was there to um, essentially uh, show us that we can't fulfill the law. We cannot obey God perfectly. Again and again, we're going to turn away from God, and so that points us to to Christ, um, and it's the people of faith, um, not specifically ethnic Israel, that receives the blessing, right? So, Tim said we have um, we have uh, uh, Rahab. She's a Gentile. She's not part originally part of uh, the Israelites, and um, and Ruth, right? So, um, so it's all about, about faith and trust in uh, trust in the Lord right? that brings us in, and so yeah. Everyone sucks, and you need Jesus. I mean, bottom bottom line, right? Um, the law will kill us. We cannot obey the law. Uh, everything is by by grace. God lets us come into salvation, into the promised land, all by grace. And we cannot obey Him. We we fail again and again and again. No matter how righteous the people are, David, 
um, man after God's own heart, he fails. Um, and so, so this starts the monarchy and ultimately points to the rule and kingship of, of, uh, of Christ. Do you guys have any thoughts or questions or feedback? No? Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, the gospel, for the good news. Uh, we thank you that um, that you that you love us so much, that you have this story for us of of how um, we can't obey, and again we again and again we rebel against you and we fail. And so, uh, there's need for um, Christ. There's need for a savior. And so, help us, Father, to. Um, to understand that more and more, Father, that our faith would be deepened, knowing that um, you rescue us, you save us, and that our trust and faith is in that, is in Christ. And so uh, be with us as we have service and we worship together. Uh, may we have a, a sweet time of fellowship today um, and just rest. <laughs> may we just rest together and know how good you are to us, uh, that it points forward to um, this eternal rest that we look forward to. So thank you so much for everything. We love you. Pray in your son's name. Amen.